gives me great pleasure knowing that you choose to listen to this episode on the John Gardena Classroom. My mission is to serve the Lord by creating content that will help you in your journey of life. If you want one-on-one coaching or would like to be part of my 40 Days of Deliverance program, please visit my website at johngardena.com. Also, if you would like to give a financial gift to help the show grow or provide the funds for the editing process and publishing of the show, it would truly be appreciated. Lastly, God has given me a vision to have a place in the woods with cabins to enjoy fellowship, healing, along with outdoor activities with others. If you have land and feel compelled by the Lord to donate some to make this vision a reality, please email me. I will have all the information available in the show notes. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone to the John Gardena Classroom. Today we have a special and unique guest from Baltimore, Maryland. Her name is Kathy Judson. She's a mother of two wonderful boys. She's a pharmacist. She's a semi-pro cyclist for 35 years, and she helps people with their journey in cycling. She is currently writing her first book, which is about navigating through life's obstacles. And she recently had an epic journey in Cape Epic, South Africa, recently in this uh, past March. Um, She has great inspiration for everyone to to hear today. She's all about enjoying your gifts for life today and doing the impossible is just an opinion by Paul Coelho, one of her favorite quotes. So Kathy, thank you so much for being on the classroom today. You're welcome. So Kathy, tell us why you, as a, as a young girl, did you feel like you were ever different growing up? Or do you feel like you were, you know, just an outlier in life? Or were you always just the, the normal kid growing up? What kind of child were you? <laughs> I was always the outlier. Um, I was, grew up in a, on a farm in Southern Colorado and went to a very small school and um, 32 of us went from kindergarten to graduation together. So it was, um, it was very cliquish. And because of who my father was um, in the community, I was always an outlier. I didn't realize that, but. It was yeah, well, what did your, what did your father do, Kathy, that so I made you be an outlier because of that? He was always innovating new um, new farm equipment. He developed a lot of farm equipment that they still use today. He unfortunately didn't patent it, but he was always thinking, always creating um, better and new ways to do things and kept growing his farm bigger and bigger. And they, most of the people around him just, wanted to stay status quo and just kind of keep their um, comfort zone. But he was never satisfied with that. So he always kept going and going and creating bigger and bigger. And um, oftentimes in the winter, he would play around in his shop welding because he found solace in that. And so he'd think of these ideas in his head and then create them. 
and it wasn't small equipment. It wasn't small little things. They were things to haul potatoes off of the yeah, that's the ground a, and into the well. Now it's amazing how you see some parallels probably between your personality and his, the adventure of creation and, and making things better. So you go through high school, you're in Colorado the whole time. Is that correct? So tell us what, tell us what happens after high school. Um, after high school, well, at my last race running, because I was a runner in high school, because that was kind of all we had to do yeah. play basketball and ran, which was an outlight. Um, I was one of the first women that ever ran cross country in the area I grew up in. And now it's kind of cool to see my little high school nice. compete at the state tournaments. Um, and then um, my last race in my high school running career, I got pushed off the track. So I didn't make it to States, which was, that was a huge blow because I just recovered the year before from anorexia. So to not make it to your final race um, was very disappointing, but I just was like, okay, well, this is, I accept this, this is what happened. And so then I decided to go to college. I mean, I already was accepted and run cross country and track at college. So I went to CSU, which was where my grandfather and my parents both went um, and went there to major in uh, physical education, partly because of my bout with anorexia, but I wanted to teach and my in college, I got into triathlons and I ran, um, I ran cross country and track for three of the four years because I was doing triathlons in there too. Um, and that was a great experience being able to run against some of the top women in the world. At that time, we didn't have three or four divisions and CSU was in the in D1. So I got to run against Olympians when I made it to nationals. And even locally, I got to run against Olympians. And wow, Olympians. that's amazing. So, so what inspired you? It's like, this is so this is where you're an outlier and I knew it because you're in the University of Colorado State, right? And you're running track, you're doing cross country, and then something tells you, you know what, maybe I should do triathlons too. I just I feel like I'm compelled to do that. Where where did that come from? Well, where did that come from? Um I got into cycling. Um you know, I think it was from watching the Iron Man and going, just watching and, and watching Julie Julie Moss um, mm -hmm. all across the finish line, and later she became a teammate, um, which was like, oh my goodness, wow, Julie Moss was teammate. <laughs> um, and I then I ended up swimming with Dave Scott, who won the year that Julie Moss um, crawled across the finish line, or maybe it's Scott Pittman, but anyway. I got coached in swimming by his sister, yeah. which was just phenomenal. Um, I guess I saw I guess I saw the event and went, wow, I can do this. So before one of my cross country seasons, I decided to do the Estes Park triathlon because I'd run up there a lot, loved Estes Park. So um it did it in reverse, and that's what really gave me the triathlon bug was Estes and then 
Well, actually, I did one Fountain Mountain in Arizona yeah. to qualify for the Ironman. And I couldn't swim. I could not swim. I developed this fear, fear of the water from taking a PE class. The guy was, the teacher was so bad that I just had a block of swimming. So I had to relearn how to swim. Before well, there's nothing like having setbacks and, and limitations in our brain for what we can't do to forge ahead and do things in our life that we know we can do, right? So you conquering that fear of swimming and relearning probably had a coach or someone else who was there by your side to get you over that fear and, and compete in your triathlon. So when did you finish your first Ironman? The first Ironman I finished in 1983. Wow. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's something on my list to do is to complete a full Ironman and uh, swimming just like yours. I don't have a fear of swimming. I just don't have the best technique um, because I have not been trained yet, but running and cycling, I got down. And so I got one more, one more of the trifecta before I become an elite Ironman uh, soon one day. <laughs> but tell me, just tell everyone how much, um, how much work you had to put in and what did you, what did you learn during that journey um, becoming an Ironman? That was a long journey um, because back then there weren't all these coaches and a lot of it was self-coached. So I'd read what other people were doing. Um, after my first year, I got picked up by Mizuno and I had a lot of friends from the running community in Fort Collins and Boulder that um, would help, would guide me. The running wasn't an issue because I'd run cross country and track. Um, cycling, I ended up with a really... I met a friend that um, would ride that was, he had raced pro or semi-pro as well. So he could kind of guide me in workouts and stuff. And we'd go on long rides just to get ready for the Ironman. And um, then swimming, I had a coach. It wasn't great. My technique was horrible. <laughs> but, but I had a place to swim early in the morning. And then I did join the C CSU had a master swim team and I did join that. So we'd, um, I'd get done with my track workouts and then go jump in the pool because we, they were at the same place. So I'd run and then go jump in the pool and I'd probably ridden in the morning. Um, so I was always tired and would fall asleep in class a lot. Um, Thankfully, I had really awesome grades before I started doing tries, and then I got a couple Bs. When, when you were uh... <laughs> when I started doing tries, my my uh, grade point average. Yeah, little, well, but... you're re you're a resilient woman who who definitely was putting in a lot of work and time. And something that stood out, you said at the very beginning that you said you you battle with anorexia. And was this one of your ways to doing triathlete competitions? Was it one of your way to build self-confidence or, or was it just a way of compelling yourself to just feel um, like you were in the moment of just pure joy and satisfaction of, of being maybe feeling fulfilled and doing triathlons?
Well, I've never had it asked that way. I think I went into anorexia because my family of origin is... Okay, that's all right. No, no, that's yeah. good. Um, so another a friend of mine, she went had anorexia too. Um, and for whatever reason, I just needed to have the control in my life. But quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to play basketball because my parents pulled me out of, off the team. So then I'm like, okay, fine. I'm just going to get over this. And um, some of it, anorexia is a very mm -hmm. challenging mental disorder to overcome. Some people struggle with it for a lifetime. Um, I just didn't want it to con it, um, hinder my athletic pursuits. So I started eating and then I got into running and learned how people that, um, that I ended up competing against later in college, how they... Um, did their workouts. So I got into, did the running and then in college with the tries, I think it was just a new way to explore things that I loved. And I just loved being outside. And when I got into cycling, it was just fast. Um, some of my first cycling races were against Olympians again, which was just really cool for me. It's like, wow, these people are so fast. It was just the thrill of the moment and seeing how far I could push myself because I was part of the total title nine generation where women were told that you couldn't do something. And we're like, Oh, let's see really how far we can go. Cause when I was in high school, the furthest we could run was one mile. And then in college it was like, well, you guys can't run more than a five K. And then they allowed us to do the 10 K. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try to do so, the 10K. Yeah. And so I think that, that, that was more of the impetus to do tries. It's like, oh, well, let's just keep pushing. No, that's, that's, it's always great to understand the why, right? So like for you, you were motivated by the no. So when someone said no, you're like, well, I'm going to show you why it's a yes. So that's why you kept pushing yourself. And then you're around these great athletes um, through, through college, you have a passion for, doing triathletes and then it sounds like you said something about cycling it was fast it was fun it was competitive so did after college and after your um experience with triathletes did you just focus on cycling then yes i got married and um knew that i couldn't do life um married life and be a triathlete yeah it was just took so much time i mean to compete at the iron man level just i mean back then we just were like do a ton of stuff it wasn't such focused training i i don't think it takes as much time now as i put in but because there's more focused training and you can be better with less yes more is, less is better one of my favorite, favorite quotes i learned from yeah. someone very special so yeah less is better and um i'm kind of allowing my youngest son who runs um to experience that you don't have to do 100 mile weeks like i did you can do it's true i've learned that too awesome. that's very it's very true you don't have to go off the old uh, adage that if you're not putting it yeah, if you if you if you're not putting a hundred mile weeks of running in, then you're not going to be successful. Uh, well, it's it's very what I've learned from research and from people who are elite is that if you're very intentional with what you're doing in your running, in your strength training, and your stretching, and all that recovery, then you'll be okay. So it sounds like 
less is better. You you increased as we we learn in life. Like if you take on more things on on new plates, marriage, you know, having starting a family, there's there's no way you can put all that time in as um, doing three different activities with that volume. So then you you just focused on cycling, and it sounds like that was your forte and your passion. So talk about that. Yeah, it, it was definitely my forte. Um, I had a lot of early successes. I mean, literally the first race I did, I was in with Rebecca Twig, who was an Olympian at the time. One of the best. She was either one or two. She just competed in the 84 Olympics. And I am doing this stage race. And I'm in the break. I'm in the break, mm -hmm. which is the lead group with Rebecca five other women. And I'm just kind of overwhelmed that I'm up there, but coming from triathlons, I knew I was strong. I just didn't know how well that had prepared me, the running and then the tries to be able to jump in and compete um, with the yeah. best in the world. That's a confidence builder right there, isn't and, it? Um, yeah, it was a huge confidence builder, which probably propelled me to keep going. Um, yeah. Um, and a lot of times I had to go to the races by myself because who wants to stand around in the yeah. race for a whole day? And but you had to, you know, I did what it took. And a lot of back then they put the women really, really early in the morning. So yeah. A lot of early. So how many races do you think you've done cycling wise? Um, back then I was doing about fifty to. 50 to 60 a year and I did that <laughs> I did that for 15 years um well no I did that for like 13 years and then I had my first son and so the and at that point I was I had transitioned into mountain biking so I only would do like maybe 20 a year so I kind of I used to keep track and after a while I got it, it was just I, I just enjoyed being in the moment more instead of worrying about how many I've done and what times I did all the races in because the statistics just became overwhelming and I was more into experiencing the moment and looking at nature around me. Yeah. Enjoying. Yeah. So you went from being super competitive and then just as obviously having a family, you, you understood that, you know, you still enjoyed doing this. So you cut back your races, you transitioned to some mountain biking. And I think it sounds like that through mountain biking, you really enjoyed God's creation of nature. So talk a little bit about that. Well, that's one of the things that's, I mean, now I do um, four disciplines of cycling, but it was nice to transition into mountain biking because growing up in the mountains, I spent my childhood in the back of a Toyota 4x4 with my dad at the helm, and we got to just enjoy this incredibly awesome back road adventures, and that was kind of a connection with mountain biking was this is my heart always felt really, really awesome being in the mountains. And even sometimes when I was just thinking of, I got lost on a course mm -hmm. once and had to find my way back to the start line, but it was just kind of fun being lost out in the mountains. Cause we would oftentimes as a kid, we just go explore, um, Southern Colorado. And that was really fun. So 
being able to do that again on the mountain bike was just something that um, was very special. And then my youngest was just um, took a trip. So this is kind of a big roundabout. Um, he got to run at a place where I did one of my most favorite mountain bike races mm -hmm. up on Mount Rainier. He ran at Crystal Mountain. And to see where he ran, where I had cycled before he was born, where his other older brother was alive, but it was just like, wow, this is really cool. Reliving that race through his journey running, but I was reliving my ride cycling and just the, we were just both awestruck of how beautiful it was yeah. and how steep it was, but just and, out there. Just and that was Mount, Mount Rainier, is that what you said? Enjoying the beauty. And obviously in Colorado. Yeah, I got to work. Oh, okay. No, I was in Washington State. I traveled. I was, I was doing that. They had a Norba. The governing body of mountain biking had a um, series for several years, and I was doing that because I could, I could get ready to do several races throughout the year instead of doing a bunch of races. So while Matthew, the oldest, was small, I could travel to the races. Um, yeah. And do the national series, and. No, I didn't win because I wasn't. No, it's okay. No, it's not about you're winning in life. It's more, yeah, winning in life is more you know, important than uh, than like winning races. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah, when it, and becoming a mom really helped me to understand that winning in life is so much more important than getting another piece of hardware. I mean, sometimes people are so focused on the hardware, but really having two awesome kids. Yeah, no, that, no, that's great. Um, you know, I think one of the things I like to to go into now is, um, so you know, you, you told your story of your upbringing with your 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 father, and then going to CSU, and then after that, really being competitive. You know, getting married, and then after thirteen years of really competitive cycling races, mountain biking transitioned uh, into your life as well, but then after you raising your boys what happened that you had a pivot of maybe a change of like direction you were always still cycling but maybe a mindset or something that may have changed in your life i'd like you to talk about that um i met a very special person when we were i trans i did a national cycle cross in 2014 and that was really fun. It was great. And then went to Trans Andes, which is a multi-day stage race in yeah. um, Chile. And that was just a phenomenal experience. Met an incredibly awesome person and just have learned since that time how less is more. Um, but also how just to have more fun. And it's actually made cycling just a lot more fun. I didn't have to have my mm -hmm. head planted into my front wheel. I could even, even though I always enjoyed mountain biking and looking at nature, I now I really um, take it in. Like my coach yesterday was just like, here, this ride for you is to go experience everything you can see, listen to the birds. So that's pretty much how I've done cycling now for the last nine years. It's just really loving the experience, having fun, having fun every minute of it, because, you know, now I'm not 
as young as I was 40 years ago. Um, but I still, every ride, every race is a new experience and to be more in the moment and experience the people that you're with, um, just to enjoy, enjoy the gift yeah, of life. Yeah, well, well said. So again, you had this pivot point of why you're doing what you're doing for the last nine years and you're, you're having fun with each ride and you're enjoying, like your coach said to you, just enjoy nature, enjoy listening, enjoy the process of what you're doing. And specifically, and I, I brought this up at the very beginning, that you did a race in Cape Epic, South Africa, and how that kind of really just made things maybe amplified or maybe deeper rooted in what you're doing and, and then how you can also maybe inspire people through your, your journey. So talk about that race. Well, I'm hoping it really inspires people that there's no matter how old you are or what your experience level is, that you can achieve more than you ever thought possible. Um, it was the hardest thing I'd probably ever done. And I've done big, big cycling races, like the longest race yeah. women in ever was in Idaho. And that was an phenomenal experience. So I had that background to compare it to. But I rode 60 wow. hours in eight days. So every every day was a work day on the on the bike. And that's um, my wonderful partner was just phenomenal and just kind of helping with the mindset, just like this is a day at the office. I'm like, okay, well, a day at the office is eight hours. So that my office yeah. right now is so my you were how I, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for that going into the race. Um, kind of thought, oh yeah, this is long. Okay, based on other races, I can we can probably finish in six seven hours for each stage. Mm -hmm. But then it got to be eight and nine, and there were just so many challenges to overcome. I mean, they make it the hardest mountain bike race in the world, and it is for a reason. They have such awesome terrain to work with that they can shoot you up this mountain and down and shoot you up another mountain and down. I mean, you're never really more than 250 miles from the start line, but there's so much terrain that they use. Um, the terrain is phenomenal. The downhills were just amazing. And it's just such an incredible event. Um, and it was, it was, um, we're in again, but the first year was like, wow, because we talked about it for so long, but to finally have it all come to place and then it was just such a phenomenal experience was, um, it was the culmination of a long time goal and it just surpassed what we thought it was. So, and that was so it kind of, what I hear you saying, it kind of tells a story of life. Like, like you go and have this vision of doing this race and when you get there, the the vision of what it's going to look like day by day is changed by the terrain and the difficulty. And then what you had to learn um, from, you said your partner, is that you had to make it as a work day. And instead of six, seven hours, it turned in a couple more hours per day, which is which is taxing on the body for doing that for eight days. And how many miles did you do in total? 
you know, I kind of, um, yeah. I think we did like 450, but it's all in the mountain bike. And it was, there were a lot of 15% grades, a lot of 12% grades. Um, one day we, it was the nine hour day, eight hours and 45 minutes. I got my board cut initially, but we had, I saw a rainbow initially at the first part of the day. I was like, wow, okay, maybe the weather will hold. The forecast showed that it was going to rain the entire day, but I was hopeful with the rainbow. Well, we got about a half an hour and then the heavens opened up and it just poured the rest of the day. Um, because the pros had started so much earlier, they got out of a lot of the stuff that the people that I was riding with, we were slogging through everything. We were just slogging through Jeez. mud up to our knees, pulling our bikes. Um, it was phenomenal. And we that was the day that I grabbed um, trash bags from the volunteers at the aid station. And that um, just to keep warm because I didn't have a rain jacket. Lesson learned, warm. everybody. Lesson um, learned. Prepare. Prior so to, pre, pre, right? You you have to be prepared. And I know from ultra running, like I always bring everything um, because you don't know what's going to happen. So prior preparation prevents a poor right. performance, Kathy. So lesson learned there, even in your wisdom of all the races you've done. Uh, so the rainbow, was that one of the... I'm just I'm so I'm just trying to visualize this like just first of all before I even go into this like what an amazing individual you are and and I, I say that because thank you to be able to do something for so long um, tells me a couple of things about you is that you're disciplined you're definitely you're very intentional of why you're doing what you're doing um, boy, you are competitive, uh, learning so much about you, um, and the passion. See, people don't, a lot of people don't live with passion and I think they just don't know what their niche is. And if you, you have to find it through exploration. So I, I ask everybody like, what's your passion? Like Kathy is the, she embodies the passion for cycling and for doing hard things because now she's learned to literally win in life and, and winning in life for her is new experiences knowing that it's going to be difficult in some areas of her of her cycling and mountain biking like she said mud up to her knees not having a rain jacket when the heavens opened up but the beauty of the landscape and the relationships that she formed during this um, opportunity in, in cape epic is what life is about like, People aren't living their life to their fullest, and Kathy, you are, and you want more of it, and you want to share that with people. So in a summation of your journey at Cape Epic, um, something happened where you needed to tell your story. So um, summarize just basically what you learned from Cape Epic and how it propelled you to, to start a journey um, of writing. Um, what I learned that um, nothing impossible is just is an option is not an option. The, yeah. the quote that I have on the email. Um, it's, the impossible is just an opinion, and you're so much more capable with proper preparation than you think you are at the moment. And 
yes passion without passion proper properly focused passion um how much are you really contributing to the world because there's so much to so many ways to contribute um just the other day i was out on the boardwalk here and was just able to experience a mother Ow. adopting a son that's her new son she called him who had just lost his mother i didn't get into the details but just to see the life how life enveloped this little family and that was kind of like the cape epic experience was we all became a community and now through that experience just like when i went to russia the race there's just um lifelong friends that because when you go into something that passionately and you suffer together, there's a bond that develops that if you haven't experienced that, the suffering part, um, you just can't experience and you can't embrace. And it's just, there's nothing wrong with the other, but I'd prefer to live life passionately. And I learned that from my friend who survived breast cancer stage four breast cancer for four years or nine years nine years she just had a, such a passion you know what it's it's bringing back flashbacks and memories for me and you don't know this but when you did your race i was actually doing my first 100 mile race as well and what resonates so well with me is that you says you said that suffering creates a bond in that community and when we when I did this race, I was with a bunch of guys who we met through really Instagram and through some networking. And it just hammered down that point that if if you visualize what you want to do, because it's a passion of yours, and you build a relationship formed between individuals and you do that hard thing together, that bond, you're yoked. I feel like you're yoked for life um in that, that experience and you have a such a strong relationship that people don't really understand when when you go through something difficult with people you definitely create something that's so unique that i i can't even really explain it except for you're just yoked to them for for the rest of your life and it's something that you can only experience um going through that that trial and, and tribulation to your end goal which whatever that race looks like for you um and it doesn't have to be physical but i've, I've learned that fit, suffering in the physical reveals um enlightenment in the spirit and your true inspiration comes out so i want to finish on this last point about you were inspired then from this race to to start writing um your first book so talk about talk about that kathy well i've written i started the book and had it pretty much okay in covid because i had, had, had a bad experience with a job and i'm like i have this book inside me that just needs to be told and then i shelved it put it away and then around Right before Cape Epic, I was like, wow, I should maybe really get this going. So since that time, um, I have really been trying to work on it and met Dom through getting it to the point of editing. And so it's, it's basically my life journey because of the pieces of it, the preparation, the mindset, 
then you got to take care of your body. And because of my bout with anorexia, um, nutrition and taking care of your body that way have always been very important to me. I have a nutrition degree um, because of that. And then I went into pharmacy after that. But I want to, you know, it's all of life. And then to do the um, preparation with the team. And like you said, when you go through suffering like that, and my partner and I have suffered greatly over in many, many races, but it's always been such an awesome learning experience that you can gather so much more for life um, and make you more resilient and um, the determination, the passion, the persistence and the dedication have just been really lifelong lessons. And then that leads into the final chapter of what kind of legacy are you going to leave this world with? Um, once again, back to my friend who died of breast cancer. The legacy that she left in everybody's life is phenomenal. She's got two great girls. Um, watching my oldest son have such passion for kids. I mean, it's just passionate. And then um, I did, we just lost um, Magnus White in Boulder, a young writer who is phenomenal. Just watching the community go through that suffering and seeing how you're bonded for life. I mean, Magnus may be gone. Wow. Well, it's, that's, that's beautifully said. I mean, a lot of people, I feel like, and I think, I think a lot of people don't know why they're on earth. I'm going to be honest when I say this. And a lot of the reason why is because they haven't really found out who their identity is. And this is very important. The identity comes from God because he created you. As, as I said, you know, he's in, biblically, he breathed life into you. So the more you could connect with God and understand that relationship with him first and foremost, you start to learn that out of love you were created. And then he gave you, and this is what people don't understand this, like we have a unique identity if we look just at our, our, our thumbprint, right? No one else has the same thumbprint as us. You know, we're that we already made differently. The hairs on our head are counted uniquely by him as well. So everyone doesn't have the same number of hairs on their head. So like knowing that people have to understand, like, okay, so if I'm unique made in his image, then I could do beautiful things. And and Jesus said this before he left earth is that someone's coming down, which is the Holy Spirit. And for you to do greater things than I, and I was like, "What? That's a that's crazy to even to hear those words." But what he meant was, what he meant was like, again, I'm giving you gifts from heaven so that you can go pursue your passions. And to learn your passions, you have to explore. So for you, you're you're blessed to know at an early age that that being an endurance athlete was something you were passionate about and you've done that for the past 40 years and you're really into a groove of really enjoying that passion and in god's great earth um, and being in south africa and you said it was just so huge and it was just so beautiful the scenery and for those who are listening like you you are unique you have beautiful gifts 
go explore different things so you can find your passion and then attach your talents to that passion and you'll be fulfilled. And that's what life is about, is that fulfillment that you are doing things in the right manner that fills your cup, but more beautifully in your life with those relationships is you're filling others' cups as well. So I, I look forward to, you know, reading your book and you finishing your book with a, a beloved individual, Dominic Damaski, who's just a wonderful man. And I'm so blessed that he's connected us together. So um, I would just say this in, in closing that, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck um, in finishing your book and to tell your story so that other people who read it can be inspired and leave a legacy for others, which is, is truly living out their passions in life. So, Kathy, is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to say to everyone? Um, watch us in uh, Cape Epic. Nice, two, nice. Two and, and when is that race again? And is it in March again? Okay, so follow Kathy's journey. I will put her um, where you can find her on Facebook in my show notes uh, so you can see her journey. Um, she will have her book published this year through Motivation Champs, with Dominic Damaski. And um, she's just an inspiring individual who I hope you you learn some, some great lessons from for being prepared and, and learning a mindset and learning how nutrition is important and being resilient and dedicated to your craft. And if you do that, you're going to win in life. And it's not about the buckles, even though it's fun to have, but Winning in life is so much more. It's about the relationships and the, the bonds that you create with other individuals. So, Kathy, I will put all your information in the show notes for the show. I am truly honored and blessed that you were able to come onto the classroom and share your stories of your life um, and how people can use their gifts and trek through life on their destination and journey so they can inspire others as well. So thank you so much, Kathy. And this class is is dismissed.